Welcome to the In the Mood for Fantasy Football podcast, a pro football network show that keeps you up to date on the current NFL news and how to adjust your lineups on a weekly basis with start sit, waiver wire, and draft advice. I'm Eric Moody. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric N. Moody. And my co-host is Tommy Garrett, who you can follow at Tommy Garrett PFN. We've got a great show planned for you here this morning. A lot to talk about. First full week of NFL action, regular season NFL action, uh, is behind us. We're getting ready for week two. We want to talk about two things with you today. First of all, we want to talk about buy low, sell high candidates. And also, we want to talk about the waiver wire, who to prioritize and how to attack it. And players, you know, really to hold on to and not to drop. But we'll get into it. But before we do that, we had a Monday night football game last night. Baltimore Ravens going against the Las Vegas Raiders. Tommy. What are your takeaways from this game? I still don't even know what I watched. I'll be honest. <laughs> uh, the, the greatest thing about that game, other than the way that it ended, was the Manning Brothers broadcast. Yes. That, that needs to be every game. If we could just clone those guys for six, so they can cover 16 games, for the love of God, please do that ESPN. But, yeah, it was just a crazy game uh, between the – I don't know what happened. I mean, why are you running a hard count at the goal line when you're trying to win the game just to jump off sides? And then all the overtime stuff. And then just Darren Waller might set the record for targets this year. It's that was just an incredible game last night. I don't, I don't know what your takeaways were. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it, obviously to your point, there was some questionable, you know, decision making that kind of had me, had me scratching my head. Uh, I think the main thing that a lot of people were looking into this game kind of wondering about uh, would be the Baltimore Ravens backfield and how those yeah. touches would be distributed. And I have to tell you, one of my favorite takeaways from the game, outside of Darren Waller and you know being a target magnet, was that uh, Tyson Williams uh, was able to do very well with the touches that he yes. was provided. And I'm excited to see uh, what his fantasy outlook looks like, really, for the rest of the season. But I'll pass it back to you. Uh, what do you think about Williams? Yeah, I, I, Williams looked good. I mean, even in the very first part of the game, like he had already pretty much like overproduced for people that were just picking up the waiver wires for the very for like a, a little filling for this week it's gonna be interesting to see what's gonna happen when these guys kind of get a little more acclimated to the ravens system mm-hmm. um even latavius murray who probably doesn't even have like i said like a nameplate on his locker right now like <laughs> he was even he got 10 carries which i think is that's saying something um so i wouldn't be surprised if we see a little bit more of that that traditional baltimore split that we've always seen because we saw last year just the way they want to do and when you run so many attempts in your offense carrying the ball you're going to go through a lot of running backs per game but there's always going to be volume for someone and if williams can look as explosive as he did because i mean he looked good in the preseason we see him doing this the ravens were obviously comfortable running him out there as rb1 i think we could still see some pretty good production even if we do get a little more of like kind of we see this a pretty much an even split but with Williams seeing the, the lion share of the carries yeah it'll be fascinating to see especially with Latavius Murray there you know they've got a lot of very capable you know capable options yeah. but hey it'll be something uh, something to monitor but obviously you know you you want to have Tyson Williams on your roster I know we'll talk about may talk about him a little bit later uh, in the show so let's transition so we've got buy low sell high I know a lot of a lot of fantasy managers may be looking to make some trades so Tommy what I'm going to do and you may have some candidates too that you really like so feel free to throw Mm -hmm. those in there but I'm going to mention a couple of names and let's have a conversation around it so for a buy low candidate uh, we got Aaron Jones you know we've got the other Aaron Rodgers who had I think really one of the worst games of his NFL career Packers offense 
it, it was just it was ugly. The Packers offense surprisingly struggled. You know, they were like a juggernaut last year. And you look at you look at Jones. Uh, he was a guy that um, you know was drafted. You know, in many many leagues as like a top five running back. He only had seven touches for. 22 yards, not really the week one performance we were expecting. So what do you think about Aaron Jones as a buy low candidate? If you can, if you're able to pull Aaron Jones off someone for a, you know, for 70% of his, of his draft day value, absolutely mm-hmm. do it. I mean, there's, we know this offense and this team in general is going to get way better. It looked like a team that didn't have their starting quarterback. and had a bunch of turmoil throughout the entire summer. Right? To me, that, that's what it looked like. You're going to get a much better team. Like the Saints have a good defense, but the Packers should have a better offense than what pretty much any team in the NFL could try to stop. And there's a reason they went to back to back NFC Championship games. Aaron Rodgers will be fine. And with that, will be Aaron Jones. Um, granted, they did lose a couple of key pieces off the offensive line, but they do really like the guys they have there still. Aaron Jones, he'll be just fine. If you can get him, absolutely. But if you already have him, uh, I would not be wanting to take a discount just trying to offload him. Exactly, yeah. But just for those that don't have him on his, on your roster, you know, it's definitely worth uh, looking Absolutely. into just to see if you can land him. Another name out there, another weird game. You know, Buffalo Bills, Pittsburgh Steelers, rookie Najee Harris. You know, played on all the offensive snaps. We just yes. didn't have the fantasy production that we were looking for. So is he someone else that you're trying to snag, if you can, at a discount? Absolutely. Um <laughs> The entire Steelers team, like, I, I still don't know how the Steelers won this game. Um, when you have, like, less than 50 yards of total offense in the first half, mm-hmm. and yet you are able to come back from a 10-point deficit just because, I mean, the special teams play, the block punt return for a touchdown really changed the momentum of this game. The thing I do like about Najee was the fact that they did commit to still running the ball with him. Although he was inefficient, he still had 16 carries in the game. Um, mm-hmm. He also had four tar- He had um, three targets in the game as well. So that, that usage is there, and over time that usage and the production will get better. I think it's just one of the situations like, you kind of see this around the league. Week one team, and week one teams looked like it was week one in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you're going to see the values of these guys kind of stabilize. I mean, Harris, you're getting RB1 upside with this kind of uses which is what we expected going into draft day so i i I would not be overly concerned with Najee harris personally yeah no i I think you and i are aligned on this you know obviously um opportunity share touches volume etc it's a very valuable commodity in fantasy football so harris will have it so don't ever think it you know if you can acquire him go ahead and go ahead and snag him but if you uh, have him on your roster and you drafted him, just hold. Uh, another another name that, uh, that, that really surprised me, <laughs> I think a lot of people were scrambling to kind of make changes to their lineups, was uh, Odell Beckham Jr. You know, he didn't play. You know, he's dealing with the, uh, the knee issue. Yeah. Uh, does his, you know, w- with Beckham being inactive, I would say, does that create like an opportunity to buy low on OBJ? It does, but I don't think we should have been surprised necessarily. Yeah. Even going into the week, Kevin Stefanski was very, I don't want to say evasive, but he pretty much said, we will announce to you guys who's going to be active 90 minutes before game time, which is when the NFL requires teams to publish their inactive list uh, 90 minutes before kickoff. I don't think this is a surprise. I don't mm-hmm. think it should have been a surprise. And quite frankly, even if Odo Beckham Jr. played, I for me, I wouldn't have been comfortable starting him to begin with mm-hmm. just because it's his first game back from the ACL injury. You know he's probably going to be a limited snap count kind of guy in the, in those first couple games. Um, yeah. I, so for me, I it was what I expected personally. I mean, if you were expecting vintage Odo Beckham Jr. like with the New York Giants, I mean, we haven't even said that when he's been fully healthy. So I think we need to readjust our expectations of Odo Beckham Jr. Um, mm-hmm. When he's on the field, he's going to be a solid, you know, 
mid-range wide receiver one, somewhere in the in the early 20s, probably in rankings, because it's going to be a good offense. And I expect Baker Mayfield to have good days. I mean, just like he did this week when he threw for 321 yards. Mm-hmm. You can't tell that looking at his fantasy stats just because he didn't have a touchdown. Um, yeah. But he's going to be solid this year. And with that, Odell Beckham Jr. should be solid. It's one of those mm-hmm. ones, don't panic. He is coming off a devastating injury, and that takes time. Mm-hmm. So I, I would expect to see better days ahead for Odell Beckham Jr. If he does get out there, then you're going to consider him like that low-range flex uh, area this week if he mm-hmm. does, in fact, play. Uh, but we'll need to monitor his practice reports coming out this week. Yeah, I'm a, I, I believe Beckham. I'm like, he's he's a solid. I'm like, if you can have him as a flex like every week or yeah. wide receiver three, I'm like, you want to start him. I know he had a really, really good offseason uh, as far as working you know, with Baker yeah. Mayfield and trying to get calibrated. Uh, unfortunately, we weren't able to see that uh, in week one, but the future does look bright, you know, for uh, Odell Beckham. Uh, another player, you know, I wouldn't mind throwing out there because this player had a lot of hype going into this season is rookie tight end Kyle Pitts. Uh, I don't think that, you know, we were, you know, once the dust settled on week one, we're like, okay, Kyle Pitts, 41 yards, you three receptions. It's like, wah, wah. I don't think yeah. you're expecting that. Yeah. So what, what do you think about Pitts as a buy low? Uh, the, the, the floor for Pitts, just off the perception from the public, is astronomical. Like, if he doesn't go out there and set, like, a rookie record, people are going to consider it a disappointment. And when you're drafting him inside the top five of his position, you're setting him up to fail at that point. And we all knew what was coming to a certain extent. Like, that's you're, – you're, you know, you've already set the expectation of what he has to do to return mm-hmm. value while the production wasn't great you are encouraged i should say by the target share because he did have eight targets which tied for the high of the game for the atlanta falcons he like he's not a he's tied in in air quotes just by position only you saw him lined up all over the field running out mm-hmm. routes and everything else i mean he's not a we know he's not a traditional tight end that's honestly one of the reasons why we are so excited for him mm-hmm. is because he kind of breaks that mold of what the position traditionally has been there'll be there'll be better days ahead um the falcons offense just couldn't get anything going against the eagles this week but trust the volume kind of like you said earlier uh, there'll be better days ahead for Kyle Pitts. Yeah, no, agree. You know, he's in a position for the season, you know, based on our projections, you know, over at Pro Football yeah. Network to exceed, you know, 100 plus targets. And they had a ton of vacated targets, obviously, with Julio uh, moving on to the Titans. So, again, better days are ahead. And I'll reiterate what Tommy said is just just be patient. Don't overreact. <laughs> it's only it's only week one. And so a couple of names that I'll, I'll lump together and touch on briefly uh, before we transition to players to potentially sell high. Now, these are some names that I wrote about in the buy low, sell high column uh, over at Pro Football Network. So one player that I wrote about was I was Mike Evans uh, running back, you know, Ezekiel Elliott and Tyler Boyd. I know Evans disappointed. Uh, a lot of people had high expectations going into that game. When you look at the over under, you know, all the different um you know, the, the, you know, the Dallas defense, you know, with their secondary, you know, all those things. But he had a really, really tough, you know, cornerback matchup. Tom Brady knew it. Evans knew it was going to be tough going in. Godwin and Brown knew it. Obviously, Godwin and Brown were able to benefit. But again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't sell, you know, Mike Evans if you got him on your roster. But obviously, it does present a buy low opportunity. Ezekiel Elliott, similar scenario. Kellen Moore, I, you know, I got to tell you, I, I love what, I love the game plan that he put together. He's just like, we're not going to win with Ezekiel Elliott this week. That's why they didn't force feed him. I don't think that was a bad move. Tyler Boyd, and I'll pass it over to you, Tommy. It's like Tyler Boyd, 
Um, didn't get the the targets that you know we we wanted him to have. Uh, you know we were watching Jamar Chase, you know going going crazy. T Higgins had his moments, but Tyler Boyd's going to have some big games. I'm like with the Bengals defense, they're going to be in shootouts. Uh, more often than not, and he's obviously going to benefit. So those are just some candidates I thought were really good by low options. Uh, do you want to add anything uh, to that, Tommy? I think you kind of nailed it on those ones. Because um, mm-hmm. a lot of the guys that maybe had like like poor performances, they were already ranked so highly that it would take an arm and a leg to try to acquire them from these guys. Um, and it's like with Tyler Boyd, it's you know we're expecting him to be the wide receiver three on the Cincinnati Bengals, which is what he was. Like We know he's not going to vault you know, T Higgins and Jamar Chase in any mm-hmm. game. But it's you're looking for that big play upside and, and with him mm-hmm. he was a great draft day value. And I think that still holds in your roster every week. Um like you said, like the Bengals are gonna be playing from behind and Joe Burrow looks great. I think that was the yeah. biggest one of my biggest things was the fact that Joe Burrow, you know, his first game back since his like obviously that was a devastating injury he went through because it wasn't just oh, yeah. he, he didn't just suffer damage to his ACL. It was basically his mm-hmm. entire knee that yeah. was just that was blown up that game. And he comes out, I mean, even on just 27 attempts, still gets 261 passing yards and two touchdowns. I mean, that mm-hmm. was phenomenal play out of him. So, yeah, T- Tyler Boyd will be fine. It's You're going to get those big play games. It's kind of like the same thing like with Michael Gallup, you know, when he's on the field. You're never expecting him to be the wide receiver one for the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. Um, but, and you're not going to get that out of Tyler Boyd, but they're going to have great games. Now, granted, obviously, I'm bringing Michael Gallup, who's now on the IR um, but I think it's just a, the point still stands. Like the wide receiver three on the team still can have great return on your value in fantasy. Yeah. So let's run through briefly some sell high candidates. I'm going to lean completely on you on this. So you could say yes or no. You can add mm-hmm. some analysis to this. So for sell high options, you know, for those uh, that are listening that are participating in their fantasy leagues, uh, running back James Robinson. What do you think about him? Uh, that was uh, how did Carlos Hyde end up having. <laughs> as much work as James Robinson, like I don't get like for me that was shocking because that was mm-hmm. an absolute go get him top five matchup. I even said it last week he was a top five play for me and all this and just just yeah. blew up. I think the concern for me isn't so much on James Robinson. It comes back on Urban Meyer and what this offense looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's my biggest concern right now. Um, I think he'll be better, but what is better going to actually be? I think that's that's mm-hmm. the question. I think he'll be an RB two um, in fantasy, which is kind mm-hmm. of where we pretty much had him at. Yeah. Uh, but that was just a very disappointing showing uh, from week one, without question. No, no, agreed. So uh, another sell high candidate potentially, uh, Melvin Gordon. So you, are you moving on from him right now? I think this is going to be a fifty fifty backfield. I mean, pretty much what we just saw. But what surprised me, and actually I saw this coming out of a tweet yesterday from Next Gen Stats, Melvin Gordon was clocked as the fastest ball carrier in the NFL this week when he broke that seventy yard run uh, late in the fourth quarter. Him and Javante Williams are pretty much going to split uh, split carries. But Gordon mm-hmm. is saying, "Hey, look, I'm not done yet off this team as much. Everyone wants Javante Williams to take over that mm-hmm. role, and especially yeah. this week. Like, if you think he had a good week last week." He's probably going to do it again this week. They have an incredible uh, matchup this week going up against the Jacksonville Jaguars, who were just decimated, like we just saw, to somehow to the Houston Texans, who are now 1-0. Still trying to wrap my head around that one. <laughs> but Javante Williams and, Mar- and uh, Melvin Gordon should have a great week this week. So if you saw what you just saw last week, I would expect it again this week. And then if you want to move on from it after two sol- solid games, yeah, I can see it. So Brandon Cooks uh, is another one. I know he's a player that you and I have talked um, online and offline about quite a bit. 
the target volume's there. Uh, I know he had 132 receiving yards, you know, against a, you know, terrible Jaguars secondary. But is now the time to kind of cash your chips in on Cooks? I could see it going both ways. It's there's the whole argument of look, he's the only player they have, and if you look at that, yeah, you're absolutely right. Because I mean, when Danny Amendola is and Pharaoh Brown are number two in targets behind you, like you're pretty much saying, hey, we have no one else. So I think that does speak to the volume like there's no one else there and hey tyrod taylor looked good like i i do want to make that clear like he looked good this week compared to what a lot of people were saying was going to be like the the lowest ranked quarterback in the nfl i don't i don't buy that one right now the houston texans pulled this game out because of how he played um so personally i think tyrod i think uh brandon cooks is going to be fine this year for what you're getting him at he could put games up like this we've seen this guy put up a thousand yards for several seasons in his career while playing on multiple different teams. So mm-hmm. I have no issue holding uh, Brandon Cooks. And if I can get him from someone, I would absolutely mm-hmm. do that too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I will, uh, I'll close this out on uh, on one running back whose performance, I think surprised many. You look at, uh, look at Mark Ingram. Uh, he rushed 26 times for 85 yards and a touchdown again against the Jaguars defense. You know, the Texans offense really just steamrolled Jacksonville like on their on their home field. So I know it's a crowded backfield. I know we got David Johnson this there. We got Philip Lindsay. Uh, I think, you know, I would say Ingram, at least in my opinion, is, is a very like an optimal sell high candidate. If you go all the way back to the year 2000, I'm like there have been. 226 running backs who have scored 230 or more PPR fantasy points. Now, that feat has only been accomplished by seven running backs who are 31 years or older. Most recent was D'Angelo Williams, who finished with 231.4 fantasy points back in 2015. And again, I think this is an optimal time to move on from Ingram from this performance. He only averaged 3.3 yards uh, you know, uh, per carry. So yep. what do you think about Ingram? And we'll kind of close it out on the sell high. Yeah, I'm absolutely with you. Like, you're never going to see another week where Mark Ingram is number two in the NFL in rushing attempts with 26. Mm-hmm. Like, he, yeah, he yeah. had 85 yards, but it took 26 rushing attempts to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would absolutely. If you could sell high on Mark Ingram, I would absolutely do it because I this is a backfield who I really just want nothing to do with. And it's the point still stands coming into the draft. I, I felt the same way. And it's I'm after mm-hmm. even after this, like. I'm kind of there still. Before we move on to a waiver wire, just want to remind everyone, you know, we've got a ton of really great uh, content over at Pro Football Network. If you're looking for quarterback streamers, we've got you covered. You're looking for rankings, whether it's, uh, you know, DST rankings, kicker rankings, you know, kicker streamers, you know, we've got it all. So again, I encourage you to check out all the great fantasy football content over at Pro Football Network. Now, another hot topic, it's going to be a really hot topic today, is mm-hmm. the waiver wire. So... We'll go ahead and put it out there because everyone's going to expect us to talk about this individual. Yep. So, question for you, Tommy: Is Elijah Mitchell the waiver wire pickup of the week? Yeah, uh, let's just go ahead and get the the top story <laughs> out of the way. Yes, yes, in fact, he is. Uh, the guy was phenomenal. Um, I liked him coming this year, and I had him in several dynasty leagues as a late round player. It, the big surprise for me was the fact that Trey Sermon was just a healthy scratch. Uh, I mm-hmm. think that was a very surprising thing to me, and you see how well um, Elijah Mitchell played. Now, granted, this was a, a smash start this week. We expected Raheem Moser to be the one that had this kind of production this week. Um, mm-hmm. So to see Eliza Mitchell come out and do that was a welcome surprise, um, I would say. And he's mm-hmm. going to be a guy that's probably going to be the highest-claimed guy uh, this week in waivers, which and it makes a lot of sense. We know that the 49ers want to run the ball a ton. 
You have Raheem Moser now who is going on the IR with chip knee cartilage, which sounds absolutely awful. Yeah, it does sound awful. Like. Yeah, that, that sounds terrible. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Elijah Mitchell, make him your waiver claim. Uh, Shanahan has already said that uh, Trey Sermon will be active this week. I know, surprise, surprise after that. Um, but, yeah, go ahead and take a take a stab on Elijah Mitchell. These The guys you can get early in the season are the ones you can probably get some of your better return on. If you're early on the guy who ends up being that James Robinson, I'm not trying to say that Elijah Mitchell will be James Robinson, mm-hmm. but if you can get these guys that will have production throughout the rest of the season, that's a very good return on your investment, and I would absolutely use that claim on Elijah Mitchell this week. Yeah, because if you look at Mitchell and that offense, to your point, Tommy, I'm like, if he's a starter, I'm like, he's going to be, you know, on the RB2 radar or at least a weekly flex option. So I'm like, if you need a running back, you go ahead and uh, take the plunge. So anytime you can get a weekly starter on your fans team, especially a running back, Mm -hmm. you have to take that shot in your waivers. Yeah, absolutely. So some other players out there, just to kind of keep on your radar, I know each league is different. Uh, just to check and see if they're available. You know, guys like uh, Jamal Williams, who had a solid performance in week one uh, with the yeah. Lions. Uh, Mike Williams, uh, receiver, you know, Los Angeles Chargers. And, of course, Tyson Williams, who we talked about earlier with the Ravens. If he's available, yes. you know, you definitely want to prioritize, uh, you know, these three players, perhaps over Elijah Mitchell. So w- when you think about players like that you – you know that you that you could potentially like drop. Uh, I want to throw, I guess, two names your way, Tommy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Zach Moss, Tevin Coleman. What's your recommendation there? Oh, <laughs> oh Excedrin. Um, I think Tylenol works pretty well. I'm trying to think of all the different headache remedies. Oh yeah, whiskey sometimes. Let's be honest. <laughs> um, it's just a messy backfield. Uh, the one surprising was the fact that um, Zach Moss was inactive for the week. I mean, if he's going to be out there, I do at least feel somewhat confident in the Bills offense to where Zach Moss could be worth keeping on your team. In terms of Kevin Coleman, I think this is the one that for me that I, I feel way less confident just because we still expect Michael Carter to get work in this team. I'm reluctant to just instantly drop guys in week one. Mm-hmm. It's one of those like, I don't want to overreact. But if exactly. I were to pick one that I would probably say I feel more confident in the other, I would say Zach Moss over the long term, over the season. Granted, Devin Singletary has looked good. Like, he looked solid in the preseason. Um, you were never going to get a great running performance this week against the Pittsburgh Steelers defense because if there's anything that defense is so great at, it is the rushing, uh, their run defense. So I, I would probably feel a little safer holding on to Zach Moss. But if you need to drop someone to pick up like an Eliza Mitchell or if you can get like a, a Tyson Williams or mm-hmm. um, uh, some of the other guys that we mentioned here too. But like I would, Tevin Coleman would probably be the one I would look, oh, drop to do that. But like I said, yeah. it's week one. I don't want to overreact at the same time. Yeah, no, absolutely understood. So um, yeah, you just don't want to make a decision that when you look back, you know, eight yeah. to 10 weeks from now, you're like, that was a bonehead decision. You know, I, I should not have made that choice. And I think one player that comes to mind when you think about what could potentially be a bonehead decision is you know, even like dropping someone like, say, Brandon Ayuk. I know he didn't have the week one that anyone expected. Hold on to, to him. Hold him. Yeah. <laughs> do not do not drop him. <laughs> uh, what I think is interesting was like for the, he's now been in the NFL for two years and for the and for two straight years, his week one has been clouded because of a hamstring injury. Mm-hmm. It's you had all this speculation that okay, he's now been, you know, passing the death chart by Trent Sherfield. No. Like Kyle Shanahan reiterated after the game. That is not what happened. He just one of the guys who we felt were healthier at the time. 
And quite frankly, Sherfield was healthy. Granted, he did have a good camp. Like, I don't mm-hmm. want to take any, anything away from Sherfield, and he played good in this game. Mm-hmm. But there's a reason they drafted Brendan Ike where they did. They know how productive he is. It's a second-year breakout for them, especially mm-hmm. when you get Trey Lance in there. Eventually, that will happen. Like, Brandon Ayuk, he will be fine. Let's let's not the pan- let's not hit the panic button. Don't do anything rash or we're going to regret. Hold on to Brandon Ayuk. He will be perfectly fine moving forward. Yeah, no, totally agree. Let's transition and discuss uh, quarterbacks. I'm going to uh, mention some names that should be on the radar you know, mm-hmm. for those that are listening as far as waiver wire pickups and, and just feel free to chime in on, you know, who would you who would you prioritize and who do you like the most? Uh, I know Jameis Winston's obviously one if he's available. Uh, he's going to yep. be up there. Sam Darnold, you know, those two quarterbacks, they, they obviously had solid a solid game. Winston had a, a, an odd line, obviously, with the five touchdown passes. But, hey, he still got it done. Uh, Zach he Wilson. was going for the record of touchdown <laughs> passes on, on the fewest amount of yards. And yes, like, that was an incredible game to watch. I know it really was. As, as a Saints fan, I obviously enjoyed that. So uh, Zach absolutely Wilson. Did. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So you've got um, Justin Fields that's out there, you know, Trey Lance, uh, Tyrod Taylor, you know, Jared Goff. I know had a solid performance in uh, Tyler Henke. Uh, out of those names, I'm like, who would you prioritize? Uh, honestly, I think I'd give a nod to Jameis Winston. Um, even in a game where they kind of limited his, I don't want to say like, they they played it safe with Jameis. They let him work within the offense, but don't try to do anything crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it worked out. Like you know what Jameis Winston can do for fantasy. We go back to when he was with Tampa Bay. Sure, he threw thirty interceptions, but the guy also threw over thirty touchdowns. So we know he can be productive for fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did this with Marquez Calloway being completely shut down by Ajir Alexander. Mm-hmm. They're going to have him back, and he's going to have a solid wide receiver one that he can use this year, especially when they eventually do get Michael Thomas back. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's his offense is only going to get better around him. You have Alvin Kamara. You have one of the better offensive lines in the NFL. Like Jameis Winston is in a place to succeed. Now, granted, you do lose some some rhythm sometimes during the game when Sean Payne wants to do the switch with Taysom Hill and everything. But mm-hmm. Jameis Winston looked absolutely fine uh, this weekend. I would he's a guy who I would pick up if you're especially in like a a two QB a super flex league. Absolutely, Jameis Winston should be rostered on your team. Um, he's probably going to be that mid. QB t- upper QB two range uh, in mm-hmm. rankings a lot of weeks, and if he's in a good matchup, he could hit inside that uh, that QB one territory. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, he's a borderline QB one uh, each week. I would yep. say another name that I, I like quite a bit, uh, especially if you're in a position where you can stash, you know, a quarterback. I would be Justin Fields. I know, I know we got a tease of, of what he's capable of and what he can bring to that offense. So he's one that can end up being a, a league winner, yep. you know, later this season. Uh, Completely agree. To really elevate elevate your team, you know, to the championship with his dual threat ability. So I mean, I both him are, and Trey Lance. Yeah, I exactly. Would say, I would say treat them the same way. Mm-hmm. If you have, if you can, if you can get either one of them, just stash them on your team, even in a one QB league, which we never recommend having mm-hmm. two QBs on your roster. Exactly. Those are two guys who you should absolutely keep on your team because we both saw them succeed in week one. Yeah, exactly. So running backs, uh, I know some names out there. Naheem Hines, uh, Kenneth Gainwell, Mark Ingram, uh, Tony yep. Jones, uh, Jermichael Hasty, and Mark Ingram. You know, he, he may be out there. Devin Singletary. You know, a lot of these names that we've, that we've talked about. But uh, who's the running back that you're coveting or prioritizing the most? Um, I think it's got to be Eliza Mitchell, just because of what we've seen already him do. Um, mm-hmm. Tony Jones, he is a little hamstrung, obviously. Anytime Alvin Kamara's on the field, he's going to get the lion's share of the carries. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we do know that the RB2 role can succeed in this when We've watched Latavius Murray do it for years. Um, I think one for me that, was, that I was a pleasant surprise was Kenneth Gainwell. 
Um, yes. He has clearly vaulted Boston Scott as the RB2 on this team and got a decent amount of the passing work and actually has a good matchup this week, too. The Detroit Lions, um, what they did last week in terms of their rush, their uh, running backs working in the receiving game, both mm-hmm. Jamal Williams and, and DeAndre Swift had great games, actually both finished inside the top five in mm-hmm. fantasy, and they did that via the passing game against the San Francisco 49ers, which yeah. is the team that the Eagles are playing with this week. Uh, Jalen Hurts has really brought such a, a dynamic aspect to this offense, and Kenneth Gainwell has actually worked really well in this offseason. Very surprising to me during the draft that he slid so far uh, coming mm-hmm. out of Memphis. He's, to me, oh, he's yeah. the best pass Agreed. catcher coming out of the draft. I mean, it's very rarely do you see a running back lined up in the Z and they're saying, hey, yeah, run that back shoulder, and he pulls it off every single time almost. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, for me, Kenneth Gainwell and what he's doing in this offense, he's a guy who I would absolutely want to have on my team. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Gainwell is, is a guy that I'm trying to aggressively target. Uh, yeah. You know, obviously in drafts, but then if he's available, like on the waiver wire in other leagues. So, uh, yeah, like you said, he's inheriting Boston Scott's uh, workload, and he can also kind of fill in the void for where Miles Sanders has been kind of spotty, you know, with his yeah. uh, receiving ability with drops and things. And I really love that uh, recommendation. So looking at wide receivers, uh, got a lot of names out there. You know, Terrence Marshall, uh, the Cardinals wide receivers, you know, Christian Kirk, Rondell Moore, A.J. Green, you know, Tim Patrick, K.J. Hamler out there, Jalen Rager, perhaps, Cedric Wilson. Uh, those are some names that, you know, quickly entered my mind as potential wide receiver waiver wire targets. So who, who, who yeah. are you prioritizing here? Uh, I think you have to prioritize Tim Patrick. We know Jerry Judy. Uh, I was shocked that it was only a high ankle sprain because I, I I watched that and I just had this image of Dak Prescott rolling through my head. Yeah, and, same and here. That, that was to only come out with a high ankle sprain. Granted, I've, high ankle sprains normally are never good. Like let's throw that out there too. Like, but for that to only be what it was. That was a, a sigh of relief for me personally. But yeah, I think Tim Patrick has to be the priority. Mm-hmm. He brings size at six foot five. Last mm-hmm. year, he played really well when they lost Cortland Sutton due to an ACL. He had uh, 51 receptions on 79 targets, uh, 742 yards, and six touchdowns. He was a wide receiver, 41 and half point PPR. Mm-hmm. So he's going to fill that void on this team very well. The Broncos loved him last year. Um, I, I, for me, I think Tim Patrick in this offense because Teddy Bridgewater did look solid as well. Um, like I think he has to be the priority uh, mm-hmm. this week, especially with who the yeah. uh, the Broncos are playing. Yeah, and uh, you brought up a lot of really good points about Patrick, and he meshes really well with uh, with Teddy Bridgewater. He does. Uh, I'm just thinking back to the game with the stat lines. I know like Patrick and Handler uh, both saw around uh, four targets, I believe. Uh, as Patrick, you know, he caught all four you know, of his targets for 39 yards and the touchdown. Uh, one thing that was interesting is that Patrick did play more snaps uh, in week one, mm-hmm. uh, 70% to Hamler's 36%. So I agree. Tim Patrick may be kind of underrated, but I think at the end of the day, especially while uh, Judy is out, yeah. uh, he, he's the guy, you know, that I want to prioritize and one on rosters as well. I mean, your Broncos uh, yeah. offensive players start them mm-hmm. this week. I mean, we're getting to that later on this week, but look, they're going up against Jacksonville. If you can get anyone yeah. on the Broncos going up against the Jacksonville Jaguars, you're going to want to prioritize in the waiver wires. Absolutely. Yeah, just you know, just do it. So uh, let's close out uh, this episode with the tight end position. Uh, I'll throw some names out there again. Uh, why don't you highlight who's your favorite option? Mm-hmm. Uh, Gerald Everett, uh, I know he's someone that we've talked about uh, in the past. Yeah. Uh, he could be out there. Uh, I know you're really high on uh, Cole Komet as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dalton Schultz could be out there in leagues. Blake Jarwin, uh, Jawan Johnson, Adam Troutman perhaps. 
Uh, so out of these names, I'm like, who are you prioritizing on waiver wire this week? I think even though that he only got those two targets, I think Gerald Everett probably has to be one of the higher guys just because we know the quarterback mm-hmm. he's playing with, with Russell Wilson. We know that role that he worked so well with him, whether it was like a, a Will Disley a couple years ago or last mm-hmm. year with Greg Olson back in the fold. Gerald Everett, I think, is going to have a very solid uh, season this year. Um, I think my other one would be Cole Komet uh, yeah. coming off the seven-target game. He was the guy – he was one of my breakouts – for this year at the tight end position. All he has to do is kind of get past Jimmy Graham, who was one of the league leaders in red zone targets. If he's going to get these kind of opportunities, plus get some red zone looks, I mean, that's very hard to find a guy who's going to get seven targets at the tight end position. Mm -hmm. Um, That might not be a a weekly thing going forward, but anything that five to seven range, that's low in tight end one territory, just given the drop off that there is. Like you have like the guys at the very top, who are you're locked in no one's really touching them but that that low end tight end one that 10 to 13 range in rankings is very volatile each week and that just takes a little bit of volume for a player to all of a sudden jump into that spot yeah I, i'm torn on this because I, I really do like cole Komet uh, and gerald everett but yeah i think i would lean more towards with uh with cole Komet, especially with the possibilities in this bears offense if mm-hmm. justin fields uh, does get the nod and, and again that's uh he could potentially, with Fields, give you, you know, George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller esque uh, production, and, and that's don't just something like I'm that. enamored by. So don't 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 tease me like that. I, I know, I know, I know. It's just because we're, we're we're not there yet. But again, he's he's a guy that I really want to stash. Uh, so no, very uh, very good stuff, Tommy. Uh, as always, very good dialogue. Uh, but that'll do it uh, for this episode of In the Mood for Fantasy Football. Uh, please remember to rate and review the podcast on iTunes and subscribe. For Tommy Garrett, I'm Eric Moody. Thanks for listening. And check out all of the phenomenal fantasy football content over at Pro Football Network.